Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Nick at Night Show. We've got an echo. Hmm, let me do that and see if that helps. Okay, I'll have to get my technical guy in here and have a look at that. Uh, anyway, the whole point of the... Let me get the show kicked off here. We've got quite a show for you this evening. There's all kinds of stuff on the, on the sked, as you can imagine. It's been a busy week, weather south of the border here in Canada, around the world. Oh, man, it's crazy. You've got... Um, let me start with this. You know, there's, there's certain things that a tolerant society will put up with. And there's certain things that it won't, or at least it shouldn't. And we have, before the House of Commons, uh, they are debating a bill, or we're debating it today. Not a bill, I'm sorry. Let me make sure I get this right. A woman by the name of a Liberal Member of Parliament called Ikra Khalid has put forward a member's motion. Now, it carries no teeth, so to speak, okay? And what the motion is, is supposed to be in defense of uh, religious freedom. It's supposed to put an end to Islamophobia. It's supposed to put an end to injustice and, and hatred and all those sorts of things. There's only one problem. We already have laws for this. They're called slander and libel. We already have hate crime laws on the books. Now, I watched, I put the link up on my web, on my Facebook page. If you're a member of my Facebook group, if you want to go and have a look at it, uh, it's up there on, my, on my most, some of my most recent postings earlier tonight. You can go and have a look at them and see uh, for yourself the, the, the um, come on, think. <laughs> the press conference. That's the word I wanted, the press conference. Um, where they're, they're, um, where Ikra Khalid is talking to the press and explaining the necessity of this. And out of this, she wants to have um, a study done. We need this study. We have to have this study. No, we don't. Now, I'm hoping that in the next few moments, we'll have uh, Brad Trust is uh, going to be calling us to talk to, talk to us about his opposition uh, to what is known as M103. And I certainly would love to get his insights on it. I'd love to get yours as well. 343-700-4390. Uh, that's 343-700-4390-844-562-4766. Uh, that's the long distance line, 844-562-4766. You can also send me an email to nick at latenightcouncil.com, and you can talk to me that way. Um, That way we can get as much feedback as we can. I just got a note. He will be calling um, in a few moments. Great. So we are expecting Brad's call. So uh, we'll keep him as long as he can stay. Uh, there's plenty to talk about. Uh, later on in the show at, at the 10 o'clock mark, John Council will be joining us. Uh, he's announcing his return to the, well, let's call it the airwaves. His, we, we will be discussing his broadcast future. Now, for those of you who are listening, most of you uh, may already know who John Council is. If you don't, <laughs> you're in for a pleasant surprise. You know what? John is a, a good friend of mine, a very dear friend of mine. He is a, a man with a heart of gold, and he certainly cares very deeply about um, you know the issues that matter to him, both religious and secular. And I'll tell you something. <laughs> it's a treat uh, to get a chance to talk to him whenever I, whenever I do because... Uh, he is a very passionate man. 
and we need more of them. We need more John Councils in the world. So this whole thing about M103, let me just see if I can find, uh, if I scroll down here. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay. No, no, that's not it. It's here somewhere. Headline politics. Oh, yeah, that's the actual, uh, that's the, um, that's headline politics. That is the CPAC. Yeah, that's the, okay. Yeah, I had this. I put the link up for CPAC, so you can go back and watch that press conference if you want to. So if you want to go to my website, my website, my Facebook page, I treat it like a website, and have a look at that. By all means, do that because you know these 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 liberals when they get talking about it, they're really passionate. Oh my, the passion that they put into this! Like th this is going to change everything. This is going to, and it doesn't matter what the issue is. If you remember the gun control nonsense with the gun registry. Oh, this is going to make Canada so much safer. This is going to, and or if it's something environmental, oh, this is going to change everything. This one little piece of legislation, this one little thing, if we just do this, climate change, just this little tax, and it'll fix everything. Now, they don't say that per se, but that's the attitude. That's the way they come across. And you know something? I do not know about you, but I will tell you this much. <laughs> it never seems to fail that uh, it's always that way no matter what the issue. And nothing ever changes. All right, let's go take a call. Let's see. And try that again. Bear with me just a second. Good evening. Welcome to the Nick and Night Show. Hey, it's Brad Trost, Member of Parliament, calling in. Hey, Brad, there you are. Uh, nice to hear from you again. Apparently, you've had some fireworks lately with um, this whole... M103, first of all, for those people listening, can you give us some sense of exactly what's in this motion and why you're opposed to it? Well, it's a fairly long, convoluted motion with the usual motherhood and apple pie things uh, put into it. But part of the crux of the issue is what it's going to do is try to investigate what it says is the rising tide of Islamophobia in the country and have a parliamentary... Um, committee figure out how to fight back and push down on this Islamophobia that it says is bubbling up across the country. That's sort of a summation. It's got the usual flowery political language. Um, but that's a pretty good summation of uh, what it says. All right. Now, what kind of, obviously, the Liberal Party, the, the government, the, the reigning Liberals are going to support this motion, and they say it's non-binding. How are your colleagues reacting to it within your party, within the Conservative Party? Conservative Party, it's a free vote. My gut says, and having talked with a few people, I suspect the majority of the MPs will vote against it in the Conservative Party, but some will vote in favor of it. And so, look, we do allow free votes, and I respect that, and guys are going to argue the position out. But uh, if you want to know how your Conservative MP is voting, if you have one, phone them up, talk to them, and express your concerns on the issue. But All right. uh, my instinct, I know the critic on the issue is voting against it, I've heard our leaders voting against it, so I suspect most of the party will be voting against it, but you'd have to talk to each individual MP. Okay, now for those of you who are just joining us, I'm speaking with Brad Trost, who is a member of parliament for Saskatoon University. Did Sask I get... Sorry? Who would ever think a conservative could get elected from a place that says university? Eh? <laughs> yeah, but did I get the name of the writing right? 
You got it right. Okay, great. He's also a leadership candidate for the Conservative Party of Canada. Let's talk a little bit about, um, if, if you can uh, shed any light on this, how are those uh, the people who are running for leadership uh, going to be, do you have, is there anyone in the leadership race that you're aware of? If I rephrase it this way, it might make more sense. Is there anyone in the leadership race that you are aware of that would support this bill or this motion? Uh, Michael Strong has been the, the one candidate who has spoken out that he will be voting in favor of it. Uh, myself, Chris Alexander, Maxime Bernier, Kelly Leach, Stephen Blaney, probably someone else have all said publicly we're opposed to it. So I think a few of them have been deciding whether or not uh, their position based on whether it can be amended or not. But that's most of the candidates are opposed to it. Some will depend if there's an amendment, and only Michael Chong has so far said he's in favor of it. Okay, so let's... All right, so now that gives us a little better lay of the land. We, What about the NDP? I would imagine they're probably supported as well, I would think. <laughs> If you have to ask that question, okay, you fair. Being too close. To <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I suppose it was. I was just hoping that you'd say no. Actually, there is a couple. Uh, doesn't sound that way, does it? All right. So it's going to go to a. They're, they're going to uh, launch a study. What what exactly does that mean? Well, if the parliamentary committee decides to act on it, and since it's a government, essentially a government motion, technically not, but de facto. They're, they're going to get to do a study. They get to call witnesses, and they get to decide on the rising tide of Islamophobia in Canada, what to do about it, and they can then make recommendations. And this is where people are starting to get concerned, because if the parliamentary committee then begins to decide on recommendations to tame people's speech and what they're going to say, the government could start to have effectively the thought police on this issue. And let's be blunt, because of the foreign policy issues involved with Islamic extremism, jihadism, etc., people want to comment and talk about this because there's national security issues involved. And there's concern if the government begins to get a report, we'll use that then as an excuse, to begin to clamp down on some very serious discussions we have about our foreign policy, about our immigration policy, about things related, not things about denouncing people's religion, but serious discussion about serious issues, and uh, that's the concern, that this is step one. There will be a report then with policies to crack down on freedom of speech, and then we have a problem here in the country, and that's why people are concerned about this. Now, don't they already have this issue uh, in Quebec, where, if I remember reading the newspaper correctly, either today or yesterday, there was a gentleman who made a sarcastic remark on Twitter and a few hours later, the police showed up and arrested him and threw him in jail. All because they have the thought well, police. Someone, like, I'm a conservative MP, and I'm, uh, you know, I've got a lot of stats. I'm pro-life, I'm pro-gun. Um, I'm pretty hawkish on my defense policy. I get a lot of, uh, how should we say, nasty comments. I don't go complain with someone. I've had people scream in my face because they don't like the government's foreign policy. Uh you know, I get called racist and a bigot on a regular basis, okay? You know what? That's just life. I have a thick skin, and people can do that. It's freedom of speech. may not be polite, but we need to get over it and not get worked up every time someone criticizes us in this country. Um, you know, if someone criticizes you, you don't have to listen to it. I do. I'm a politician, but most people don't. So let's just calm down, and instead of having thought police, 
let people debate things back and forth. may not always be the most polite, but hey, life doesn't have to be perfect or polite or, uh, you know, as my dad said, be a man, grow up. Now, I just had a question. Oh, yeah, okay. I know what I was going to ask you. Um, don't we already have laws? I was in my opening monologue. I was talking about the um, we already have laws that cover this territory. Am I wrong? Do we do we like would a law like this well, be necessary? This is, this, or is this, this just this is what people are getting concerned because yes, we have laws. If you're going to do threaten some criminal harm to someone or something like that, there are already laws there. But here's the question, okay? Islamophobia can mean very different things to different people. Sometimes it's used um, by groups like the Islamic Brotherhood, the Muslim Brotherhood, for people that do any criticism of their position whatsoever. So when you start to play around with terms that mean very different things to different people, you have a threat then to freedom of speech. Because if I go out of the way and I criticize extremism, uh, jihadism, different things like that, for some people, that's Islamic phobia. In my constituency, there's a minority Muslim group that's viewed as heretics by the rest of Islam. Okay, Some Muslims view their activity in their own mosque as anti-Muslim, even though they think of themselves as Muslim. That's the bizarre way this world operates. To me, it's bizarre. But that's why you just can't throw around terms like that, Islamophobia, which are imprecise, which are difficult uh, to use, and which can be used and expanded to really go shut down legitimate disputes, disputes about foreign policy, disputes about immigration policy. Look, if you want to argue for a complete shutdown of immigration policy from the, what were those seven countries Trump did, okay? That's your, your right, okay? People might agree with you, people may not. But that could then be constrained Islamophobia under some people's, um, some people's definition. Yeah. And that's wrong. If we want to discuss immigration policy in the country, we should be able to discuss it on whatever side of the issue and not be shut down and called a bigot. Things like that, uh, you know, that's just unacceptable. We should have freedom of speech. We can't just let the thought police push people around in this country. So it, it, to kind of wrap this, this particular topic up, because there's something else I want to talk to you with, so if you can stay with us over the break, that would be great. Um, but this sounds to me very much like the slippery slope, the thin edge of the wedge. Use whatever analogy you want but the beginning of a very disturbing trend where in a country that takes freedom of speech or the Canadian version of freedom of expression seriously, or at least I thought we did, this has a very chilling effect. And, and this is the thing. They're trying to wrap this in religious tolerance and religious freedom. I have fought for religious minorities in my political career. My ancestry is from an ethno-religious community that got booted around Europe for 400 years. I am a passionate, fierce defender of religious freedoms for everyone. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist, a Buddhist, a Muslim, a Christian. Who, By and large, uh, and Christians are the most persecuted people in the world, by the way. Um, doesn't matter where you are. I fought for that. Okay. So this whole rubbish that they call you a bigot, that they call you a hate monger, because you stand up for people's rights to talk about foreign policy, about immigration policy, in the way they see fit, I just don't believe that should be uh, put up with. And we've got to push back. Uh, like I say, I call them the thought police. All right. Well, let me hold you there. And if you can stay with us, uh, can you stay with us for another little bit yet? 
Brad? Got, got time for you, Nick. All right, great. All right, my guest is Brad Trust, Member of Parliament from Saskatoon University. He's also a uh, candidate for the CPC leadership uh, coming up in May. And uh, we'll be right back with more with Brad after this. For 17 years, I've been taking my cars to Irwin's Automotion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra, eight bays, and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money and headaches, but fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell them Council sent you. That'll make them smile. you're enjoying our conversation with Brad Trost, Member of Parliament from Saskatoon University and candidate for the federal leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. Welcome back, Brad. Glad you could stay with us. Good to be here. Okay, let me ask you, There's because you have something else coming up shortly, and that is the, the debate about uh, you want to introduce a uh, private member's bill, I think, uh, about selling off or breaking up the CBC. Can you tell us what you what exactly have in mind on that front? Well, this Friday in the House of Commons, we start the debate on my legislation, my private member's bill to privatize the CBC. Um, CBC costs Canadian taxpayers a billion plus dollars every year. It has certain viewpoints and ideological positions that not all Canadians share. And I think it's time they grew up and learned to uh, stand on their own two feet. And I think it's time that the Canadian taxpayer made a few bucks off them, too. We've put a lot of money in. Hopefully we can get a few dollars out and, uh, you know, 
if, if they want to continue to do what they want to do, somebody should fit the bill rather than you and me. Okay, well, let me let me ask you this, because obviously as somebody who spent some time in the broadcast industry, I'm well aware of the kind of impact the CBC can have. So what exactly, how would that, if you were going to sell it off, how what exactly would that look like? Um, are you talking about selling off individual radio stations? Are you talking about selling it off lock, stock, and barrel? Uh, separating TV from radio, how do you, how would you slice that pie up? Well, that was a question uh, that we were asked going into this. And we decided rather than worrying too much about the details, we were going to go with the principle to get it sold. And so the suggestion we have is that we're going to sell it lock, stock, and barrel. Get someone out there, see if there's interest to buy it, and then uh, go out there and see if we can have with a public share offering um, someone to buy it and run it as Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. They could then subdivide it to management if they wanted to. They could sell individual radio stations or assets or divide and concentrate on whatever they wanted to. But uh, we figured probably the best asset value we could get for the Canadian taxpayer would be to sell it as, as one company and then let the professional money managers or broadcast executives or enterprising journalists, whoever wants to put the money together, figure out how best to run it so this is just the idea try to get a few bucks from it and you know what maybe it'll actually run better service maybe it'll actually have a more diverse uh, set of opinions on things like politics because then the market would actually dictate it so give it a shot see right. if there's a buyer out there that would take them are you suggesting that it's even remotely possible that the private sector could do something almost as well as the government does is that what you're suggesting <laughs> <laughs> I'm Let sorry, I couldn't resist. This way, Dick. I just think if you had the budget that the average CBC radio program had, uh, you wouldn't actually know what to do with the money. You would, uh, you'd have an amazing set of chandeliers there in your office, and you wouldn't know where to spend all the money that you were given. I would love um, to give it a yeah, try, I though. Think, frankly, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, n not in this lifetime, probably not. Eh? Probably not. Now, let me ask you, uh, okay, because you, you've obviously put a lot of thought into this. Uh, any idea in a ballpark sense, have you had anybody suggest to you what the CBC as an entity, the you know, there's the whole package, the TV, the radio, um, all of it, uh, what would that would be worth on the open market? Boy, that, that, that's an outstanding question. We haven't actually had an analyst do an official valuation of it because I'll, I'll be pretty blunt on this. The odds of me getting this legislation through are um, pretty remote. Yeah. I, and so I, what we were thinking of, rather than try to get that, is let's start the debate going. Because Stephen Harper wanted to privatize it. Jim Flaherty and I used to talk about how he wanted to do it. And when Stephen used to get asked about why he didn't go privatize, he would sigh and he would say, too many chocolate soldiers at the cabinet table. Ooh. People that will melt when they feel just a little bit of heat. And so it's time to get this debate going to say that, hey, a lot of the Canadian public, a lot of the Conservative Party members are tired of not standing up for Conservative values. Younger people have no clue what the CBC is. Their life is lived on Netflix. They want to listen to someone on the radio. They go on the Internet. Mm -hmm. Times have changed. The CBC is not that popular out there. Their ratings are awful in spite of all the money that gets thrown at them. Um, so let's start to put a little bit of heat out there and actually get this debate going. And once the debate gets going, 
people can say, hey, with a billion two, billion three, a billion four, there's a lot of good things we can do in this country, be it cut taxes, be it get some resources for our defense personnel. Let's get this thing going. So to some degree, as an opposition member, I'm trying to drive the debate and force the government to defend why they're putting all that money in there. And I'm also trying to say to my fellow conservatives, this is something that any conservative should be proud of, to sell it, to privatize it. The free market out there in internet, uh, radio, TV, we don't need someone telling us what is the official line from Ottawa. We can do this on our own. Let the free enterprisers uh, have it out there in battle to see who's got the best radio programs, best TV programs, and let it go. We don't need to uh, let the chocolate soldiers tell us how to run the country anymore. Mm, that's that's all very good points. Um, one of the things that occurs to me, first of all, and uh, again, I, I agree with you, the chances of this actually making it through this time, uh, you know, under cer- under these circumstances when you're not in power, and even if you were, you'd have to be a majority with a leader strong enough to take the uh, tempest in a teapot that would be created by the left in this country who are, all, you know, just absolutely in love with the CBC. Um, what kind of support are you getting from your uh, uh, colleagues on the blue side of the House? It is definitely mixed. There's, there's a lot of guys who say we would really love in our heart of hearts to support you, but officially the party still supports it. In fact, I know guys who are going to speak against the bill and probably vote against it, but said, hmm, if the party changes its position, we'd be right there with you. My viewpoint is this. Look, our job is to be leaders. I know all 30 members of my Conservative Variety Association board stood up and cheered me when I said this is what I was going to do. We as Conservatives need to drive the debate, and we need to do it by not standing back and letting the other guys do it. Because if we let... um, we let the Liberals define how to spend their money, what the Canadian policies are. We're never going to get anywhere. So you either can be a leader or you can be a follower. I personally think I'll have the majority of the caucus with me, but I think it's still too fluid, and a lot of Conservatives could go either way. So if you're listening, call your MP, particularly if you're a Conservative, and say, hey, Stephen Harper and Jim Flaherty would have loved to do this, but they never got around with it. Let's start the process now, because if you don't have the courage to do it when you're in opposition, you won't have the courage to do it when you're in government. And our day in government is coming. Yes, on that, I think there's plenty of indicators to suggest that you just might be right, given the climate in Europe and in the United States and around the Western world, actually. There seems to be a rising tide uh, that is lifting the uh, right-wing boat, if I can put it that way. Uh, Brad, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. We're just about out of time for this segment. But uh, thank you very much. Good luck with your run for leadership. And uh, good luck with your your uh, your CBC bill, and keep us posted on what's going on with M103, please, because this is an issue I think uh, is very very dangerous. We don't need this, first of all, because we already have laws that govern this, and secondly, I see this as a very skinny, very slender uh, beginning of a very wide wedge, and that's the last thing we need in Canada is more division. I, I think it was incredibly unwise. There, there's a lot of tension around this issue, and they could have done something to bring people together. Instead, this is pure wedge politics by the Liberals. They thought they could uh, put the Conservatives in a corner and make them look like uh, mean, evil people that don't like uh, no religious, cultural minorities. And, uh, you know, one of the things people should note, there's even Muslim imams who are speaking out against this bill because they understand 
who's abusing it and who's going there. So this is a big free speech issue that should unite uh, Canadians from sea to sea. I certainly hope you're right. Thank you very much, Brad. It's been a pleasure, as always. Have a good night. Okay. Have yourself a great night. Bye. Bye. That was Brad Trost. He is running for leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. He is also the Member of Parliament from Saskatoon University, and he is uh, very much opposed to M103, the motion to um, uh, about Islamophobia and how to combat it, which is completely unnecessary and being put forward by uh, the Liberal Party, and the government, in other words. And uh, I certainly hope you pay attention to that. We'll take a little break here on the Nick at Night Show. When we get back, we'll have even more right after this. Timo's 2000 Mobile Auto Cleaning comes right to your driveway and makes your vehicle look brand new again. Classic cars, bikes, boats, RVs, dump trucks, hot rods, tractors, transport trucks. We can even make your minivan look like the day you drove it off the lot. Did you spill too much coffee on your seat? Did Junior decide he couldn't wait till he got home? And yuck, maybe you're just long overdue for that meticulous cleaning. Maybe you want to sell the old beast. Smartest thing you can do is make it look brand new again. Timo's 2000, 613-327-8498, 613-327-8498, or go to timos2000.com. Thanks for staying with us, folks. The numbers, if you want to join the conversation, are 343-700-4390, 343-700-4390, or long distance, 844-562-4766. That's 844-562-4766. You can also drop me a note at nick at latenightcouncil.com. And you, if you want, you can. If you're on my Facebook group and you want to send me a message or make a comment, I'm keeping an eye on all forms of communication. I feel like Starship Enterprise with all the gadgets and gizmos in this place. Now, um, I must admit, when I read this, I actually, you know how people write LOL, laugh out loud? They don't really laugh out loud, they just throw that in there. This time, I actually laughed out loud. 
The headline is Liberal Canadian Politician Visits Mosque to Preach Equality and Gets Put in Corner for Being a Woman. <laughs> of course, we're talking about Kathleen Wynne. Now, the, excuse me. Now, what's funny, um, it's funny for a bunch of reasons. One, this if you wanted to find this story on your own, this is off Milo Yiannopoulos' uh, blog. And if you don't know who Milo is, you haven't been paying attention to um, to um, YouTube and, and all that stuff. He's a very popular, he actually is very proud of the fact he's a troll and admits so. But he's a, he's, he's a, um, he's a gay man who is very much opposed to much of the radical left and goes goes around giving speeches and talking and things like that. If you remember the riots out in New Berkeley last week or the week before, uh, it was all about him being there. So he's controversial, uh, but he vast majority of the time he's right, and he's he's got this blog. And it, on this blog, you find this story. All right, so let me share it with you, or at least some of it, because I find it amazingly hilarious. Okay, let's see. Canadian Liberal politician Kathleen Wynne's recent visit to a Toronto mosque is making headlines, but probably not for the reasons she was hoping for. Wynne, known in Canada for being an outspoken lesbian and feminist, reportedly visited the mosque in an effort to show solidarity with Canada's Muslim community after an attacker shot and killed six people at a mosque in Quebec. Prior to her visit, according to the Toronto Star, Wynne addressed a crowd on the topic of immigration. We're not different. We're the same except for indigenous peoples. Apparently they are different. I don't know what she meant by that. Every one of us came from somewhere else. Oh, I see what she means. Uh, we came from another country, another place, to build this open society. Actually, Kathleen, I was born here. <laughs> I didn't come from anywhere else. I'm sidetracking. Unfortunately for Wynne, and here's where it gets funny, men at the mosque she visited later, later that day didn't seem to share her view of equality. According to louderwithcrowder.com, as the men were praying when the highest-ranking politician in the province was made to sit in a back corner. <laughs> and yet the picture is of a recalcitrant schoolgirl. She's sitting there with a, 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 a headscarf. I can't think of the right word for it. Not a it's not the niqab, but it's the hijab, I guess is what you call it. Anyway, so she's sitting there with one of those on. Uh, bare feet, sitting on a chair, hands clapped. She looks like she's sitting outside the principal's office. Okay, and she is not smiling. <laughs> she is not smiling. Anyway, now, uh, let's see. Uh, this was simply in accordance with Islamic law, as several hadiths have Muhammad saying that if a woman is in front of a man as he is praying, this prayer is invalidated. The site goes on to state, Wynne didn't complain about degradation of women, nor did she, although gay, say a word about the statement of, him, uh, uh, of the imam at the mosque she visited. What statement, you ask? Well, according to the Toronto Sun article, uh, Imam Wael Shahab said, homosexuality is a sinful act in Islam. I'd cite the following fatla of Dr. Mozamil Siddiqui, president of the Fiqh Council of North America. We should consider them people... We should consider them people who get themselves engaged in a sinful act. I'm reading it exactly as written. I'm not screwing this up. Here's how it's written. We should consider them people. Oh, I see. We should consider them people who get themselves engaged in a sinful act. They're missing a comma. Punctuation means everything. We should deal with them in the same way we deal with any people who are involved in alcoholics, gambling, or adultery. 
We should have, that's three-quarters of the North American population. We should have deep repugnance to their acts, and we must re remind and warn them. Interestingly enough, Wynne had no problem crying homophobia when people got upset about her attempts to revise Ontario's sex ed curriculum to teach gender as a social construct. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so, you know, it's, it's funny how some people, Kathleen Wynne seems to be chief among them, will do anything, will say anything. They will go through all kinds of leaps of law. The last place, if she, look, it's no secret how Islam views gay people. They have a very dim view of the activity, and they take a dimmer view of the people who engage in it. And I don't need to go over the horror stories of what happens if you happen to be caught in a place where Sharia law is the rule of the day. What happens to you? Just think tall buildings. Stuff like that. So anyway, if she really was um, you know, convicted in her, uh, if, she, if she was someone who was willing to stand up for her convictions, the last place she would go to is a mosque. But no, Kathleen throws all her principles out the window just so she can make the asinine comment, we're all the same. No, Kathleen, we are not all the same. There's nowhere on the planet where everyone is the same. We sometimes have same, the same things that we care about. We sometimes have issues that matter to us that are similar to others. But we're not all the same. We're not even close. Even... People like John Council and I, we're not the same. We have similar worldviews, but believe me, he's different than I am. We look at the world just a little bit differently. We have our own uh, built-in biases. We have our own attitudes that are developed over time through our individual lives as we encounter people and grow up and mature, and nobody's the same. It's just, we're, you could say we're similar, but that's about it. But just this whole, the whole nonsense, oh, we're all the same, brother. Anyway, we're not different, is another way we put it. Every one of us came from somewhere else. I've talked about that before. No, this whole nation of immigrants, the nation was built on immigration, but we're not a nation of immigrants. Most of us are already here. I'm splitting hairs, but I'm just getting a little frustrated with this stuff because this kind of this this kind of nonsense is exactly the kind of thing that you know something if you if you can't one of the reasons why we're losing our language and I'm drifting a little bit, and I know it, um, is because we're not specific. Specific words have specific meanings. And if we don't use them correctly, and everybody goes, yeah, I know what you mean. Do you really? Can you read my mind? Heck, I can't even read it, and it's in my head. So anyway, I'm splitting hairs again. But I just had to share that with you because it's, <laughs> it's just... The, the, the irony and the hypocrisy, I'll bet you, you know what, I was going to say she doesn't even realize it, but I have a sneaky feeling, a sneaky feeling that maybe she did. All right, now, moving right along, we have this. And this go, fits under the category of, oh, my God, really? I posted this on Facebook a few days ago, and I'll share it with you in case you haven't seen it. Now, this is all centered around Valentine's Day. Now, Valentine's Day is all about love and romance and all that stuff. 
you know, Cupid and his bow and arrow and all that sort of thing. Well, Burger King, I, 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 I don't know. Okay, let me just read it because I don't know how else to deal with it. These Burger King locations are putting sex toys in adult meals for Valentine's Day. I believe this comes out of Israel. While most of us might agree that Valentine's Day, uh, let me try that again. While most of us might agree that a Valentine's Day date at a fast food joint is kind of the worst thing ever, Burger King is preparing to fight that stigma. This year, the Israeli version of the chain is offering a romantic boxed food for two called the Adults Meal, designed for those 18 and older. So bring your ID. That comes with two Whoppers, two packets of fries, two beers, and a romantic adult toy. Spoiler alert, that means sex toy. Kids meal? That's for kids. The, commer the commercial's narrator seductively declares before informing us that Burger, King's presents the Burger King presents the adult's meal with an adult toy inside. Only on Valentine's Day. The deal will only be av available at BK locations in Israel on February the 14th from 6 until closing. Why? Why? Look, I'm not, not, I'm not into knocking private business, okay? It's their ship, that's their circus, it's their monkeys. But really? Oh, my God. If you can't make a go of it in a restaurant on the quality of, of the food that you serve. Now, having said that, as soon as I say that, I can hear people say, well, what does Hooters sell? Okay, you got a point. But this is a fast food joint. Would you, you know, oh, man. Anyway, it's just, I look at this, and I'm scrolling through the story here, and it's in Israel, I know, but, but just the whole idea, I just can't get my head around it. <sighs> anyway, so I thought I'd share that with you now. Uh, here's another story that I find absolutely, this is outrageous, but that's comical. The first one was kind of funny, all right? And you should have seen some of the comments on Facebook. <laughs> I'll take the Whopper. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. No need to go down that road any further. But um, this is outrageous because it's so brain dead. This comes from a website called The College Fix. The headline is, Students wear white pins to remind them of white privilege. Now, Look, there's no such thing as white privilege any more than there is black privilege. This racial tension or these kind of sayings and attitudes are what fuels a lot of the racial tension wherever you find it, especially in the States. And they have a, you know, they have a much more ingrained. We have our own version of that up here. It's not so much black and white as is native uh, on white and things like that. There's some uh, racial stuff there. I'm not going to deny that, but it's certainly, this doesn't help. Let me put it that way. This does not help. Even if you believe it's an issue, this, how does this help? Let me read this to you. Students at Elizabethtown College this month are wearing white pins in the shape of puzzle pieces to remind them of their white privilege. Now, what they mean by white privilege, for those of you who don't already know, it's supposed to be some inherent ingrained institutional advantage that white people have because the culture they live in was built on the back of slavery. Okay, That's what they mean when they say that. It's utter nonsense. I mean, yes, 
There certainly were slaves in North America, especially uh, Canada doesn't have much history with slaves, but in the United States they did. But they had a huge family feud over that back in the 1860s, well over 100 and what are we now? Almost 150 years ago. There were some racial tensions after that, of course, and it takes its time to work its way through. But the people alive today didn't build the institutions. The people alive today did not enslave people. The people alive today were not enslaved by people. Like, the black people were not enslaved. And there's no living black person today that was ever enslaved institutionally, like we're talking about, by a white person. And if they did, it was a criminal act. So this whole thing, there were calls a, a couple of years ago, and I think it's even come up in the press here recently. There were calls in the media that white people, oh, it was recently. That, where, where did I see that? It was on YouTube. It was either with Hannity or um, uh, one of those uh, online talk shows had a guest on. And that the the there was a uh, a black gentleman who said that if white folk want to help deal with their white guilt, they should take out a white guilt account at their bank, and then what they should do is put money into that, and then find a way to help black people get ahead with that money, whether it's take a child and pay for their education or to help a single mom. This nonsense just doesn't end. All right. Let me get back to the story because I tend to run off the rails here. The campaign was launched over the weekend by Elizabethtown College Democrats. The, when when the story came up on the 14th? I think, yeah, February 14th. So it's two, yesterday. Okay. Uh, who say it aims to make students at the small private liberal arts college in Pennsylvania more introspective about issues of race, especially in the predominantly white region of Lancaster County. Discussions about race are often perceived as being only open to people of color, but I think it's just important for white people to partake in conversations about race. Eileen Ida, president of the College Democrats, told the College Fix via email, Look, since when do you need a stupid piece of white plastic stuck to your shirt that looks like a jigsaw puzzle piece to talk about race? And to tell you the truth, why would you want to talk? You know what Morgan Freeman said about this? There's a very famous clip. He's being interviewed by, I think he worked for ABC, William Wallace. Not William Wallace. <laughs> William Wallace was a Scot. Um, the heck was this? Anyway, a very famous anchor, Wallace. Um, it'll come to me. Um, anyway, he's, and he gets talking about it. And he says, so what do you want to do about, uh, about uh, racism? And Morgan Freeman looked at him and said, just don't talk about it. You know, he didn't want Black History Month. So the, the uh, interviewer said, why don't you want a Black History Month? And he said, because I'm American. Do you want a Jewish history? Do you want a White History Month? And the guy said, well, I'm Jewish. He said, okay, do you want a Jewish History Month? He said, well, no. He said, do we have a White History Month? Well, no. He said, that's right, because we're Americans. We don't need to have a black, a white, a green, a yellow history month. We just need some, we just need to remember we're all Americans. And I would say the same thing here in Canada. You want to deal with this? Then stop making it an issue. You ever have a kid, you watch teenagers argue sometimes, and they'll take the, the stupidest little issue you can imagine. He's got my pen. I want it back. Or 
you know, something really asinine. And as a parent, you're listening to this and you're biting your tongue and you're letting them try to work it out. And it's just, and they natter at each other and they natter at each other. And it's over nothing. Or the famous, he touched me. She touched me first from the back seat. You're in a five-passenger car. There's three kids in the back. Of course you're going to touch each other. You almost want to turn around and smack them and say, shut up now. Please. You're driving me crazy. And it's this kind of thing. So if you want this issue not to be swept under the carpet, because there are real racists out there. There are real bigots out there. But wearing a white plastic piece on your shirt, like a, a jigsaw puzzle piece, that's how you solve the problem? This is nothing more than empty-headed, socialistic, fuzzy, feel-good liberalism that makes people feel good without actually making them change their behavior. With that said, we will take a little break, and we'll be back with more right after this on the Naked Night Show. often hear about the supposed dangers of human-induced climate change. But what about the disastrous consequences of climate policy? For example, the closing of Ontario's coal stations was the single most important cause of the 318% rise in power rates since 2002. Thousands of industrial wind turbines are being erected across the province, killing birds and bats and ruining the lives of people living nearby. The expanded use of biofuels has led to 6.5% of the world's grain going to fuel instead of food. Only 6% of the $1 billion spent every day on climate finance goes to helping people today. The rest is dedicated to trying to stop climate change that may someday happen. Yet the reports of the non-governmental International Panel on Climate Change show that the science backing the climate scare is highly uncertain. Isn't it time we focused on problems we know to be real? This message is brought to you by ClimateScienceInternational.org. All right, three four three seven zero zero four three nine seven zero zero three four three seven zero zero forty three ninety. I'm a communi communicator. That's what I do for a living. You can tell, right? 
844-562-4766. That's 844-562-4766. If you want to get in on the conversation, you can use those numbers. You can send me an email. You can drop me a note on Facebook. Any method means, heck, if you can figure it out, you can even teleport in here. If you can teleport in here like they do from Star Trek, I'll give you the chair and a microphone, and we'll sit and have a conversation about how the heck you pulled that off. <laughs> that would be cool. We could have a four-hour show just talking about that. That would be a blast. Okay, let's try teleporting over there, and let's try, oh, boy. All right, Sundays, I think I'm just too much of a geek. All right, um, this week, uh, the little boy king went down to meet uh, with uh, Trump. And by all accounts, it went almost surprisingly well. And it's, you know what, you got to give credit where credit is due. As much as I do not like, and this does not mean that I think he should be, uh, I would rather replace him than have him continue as prime minister. But Justin Trudeau and his staff did a good job. They didn't stick their foot in their mouth, uh, or at least he didn't. And uh, that's what my big concern was, uh, giving the world another excuse to laugh at us because of our prime minister and some of the stupid things that get said about him um, or that he says, uh, like being called little potato by the Chinese and then thinking that's a great compliment when, in fact, it means he's got full of nothing but starch. Anyway, uh, so overall, did a great, did a pretty good job down there. Uh, managed to keep um, NAFTA from being, well, you know what? Uh, what I will say is I never really thought NAFTA was in much trouble anyway because, look, you may not like Trump, but he's not stupid. He knows that 9 million American jobs depend on NAFTA, and he's not going to shred that. Um, excuse me. So all he promised to do was tweak it a little bit, and there's some other issues that got dealt with as well. So I'm going to say that at least on this particular instance, we'll give him a passing grade because he didn't embarrass us. He went down there, got it done, got it done came home, and uh, the situation isn't a whole lot different now than it was when he left. So good on him for that. Uh, it's about the only thing he's done right um, as far as being prime minister is concerned. I should also remind you that in a few moments we'll have John Council come in. He's going to join us, and we're going to spend some time in the next hour talking about um, his future in the broadcast industry. Uh, it's good news, I'll tell you that much, if you don't know already. We'll talk about uh, what he wants to do and you know where he sees himself in the next little while. That kind of stuff. Let me just ask you this question as we round at the top of the hour. There's a story out of the Las Vegas Review-Journal. And it says, outlawing mi microchipping humans not so far-fetched. Uh, that's a quote from a Nevada senator. Uh, I'll share a little with you. Because this particular issue has a lot of different facets to it out of Carson City. State Senator Becky Harris said a bill to prohibit forced microchipping of people is not as far-fetched as it might seem because it happens in some places around the world. Senate Bill 109 would make it a Class C felony to require someone to be implanted with a radio frequency identifier such as, a micro, such as microchips that are placed in pets. The idea for the bill came from a constituent, the Las Vegas Republican said. As I began to look into the issue, I surprised with the merit that I believe this issue warrants she told the Senate Judiciary uh, Committee on Monday. She said sales of radio frequency identifiers are escalating around the world, and a company in Australia as of June 2016 sold more than 10,000 implantable chips with do-it-yourself kits. 
do it yourself. Yeah, I don't think so. Each kit cost each kit costs about a hundred dollars. Includes a tag and an injection tool. Uh, let's see. The Wall Street Journal has reported an estimated thirty to fifty thousand chips have been sold globally. Harris said the technology is used by companies in Belgium and Sweden to identify employees. Now, it is not illegal as long as like if if you go to work for a private firm. And one of the conditions of employment is that you're microchipped. It's up to you to accept or reject the job, uh, accept or reject uh, the job based on that. But if you understand this, this uh, a lot of people have everything from religious connotations to this. You know the old mark of the beast thing. Uh, other people just see it as a huge invasion of privacy. And to tell you the truth, I'm kind of a little bit in both camps. Uh, I just don't like this thing. I, I don't talk about. You know what? There's a certain, never mind, let's set the religious side of it aside for a moment and just think about this from wouldn't it be nice just to be able to go someplace and not have to worry about somebody tracking you. You know that old saying that even if you're par paranoid, it might be true that somebody's following you? Okay, well, this is really driving that nail home. So because where I live is an example, I get to go for a walk in the bush anytime I want to. And if I want to go for a walk in the bush... Why not? Why should somebody have the right to follow me? Now, there are those who would say, if you have a cell phone, you don't have to worry about the microchip. They follow the cell phone. Yeah, that's true, but I can leave the cell phone home. And if I get lost, well, it's my own, it's on my own fault, isn't it? But the point I'm making is that there's something inherently fundamental about the right to be anonymous. Just to be able to go about your business without the state knowing what that business is and where you're going and why. It's nobody else's business. That's the whole, that's why they call you a private citizen. And this is why whenever this topic comes up, whenever this shows up in the news or in, in stories like that, it kind of gives me the willies. I just don't like stories like that. Um, it's not something I want anything to do with. I just think that, the, look, we are already too heavily entwined in our technology, everything from laptops to cell phones to... There's apps out there I've never even... Like, I've got apps on my phone I don't know how to use. Never used them. They came with a phone. What are they for? I have no idea. Okay, I'm not really... Like, I love technology to a certain degree, but there's something about being able to set it all aside and just say, I don't want to play that game today. I'm just going to... In my mind, I'm going to go back 100 years, and I'm going to forget the phone. I'm going to forget, you know, all the methods and means of communication we have for just 24 hours. Maybe you want to go on a camping trip, and you just want to leave the world behind. How do you do that with this thing stuck in your arm? So there's, I think there's a lot of reasons to, to, for people to say no to this. And I think the senator is on to the right, on the right track here. It should be illegal uh, to force somebody to be done to to uh, to be chipped. Now, if uh, if an employer says, "Look, because of the kind of work we do, maybe you're a defense contractor, maybe you're in highly sensitive areas, uh, you know, working with very highly sensitive uh, technology or information," and they say, "Look, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars," but come with that comes the fact that you have to have this microchip implanted so we know where you are and and that kind of stuff, so we can. Uh, really screw down the security around what we're trying to do. 
Now it's up to you whether you want to take the money and the invasion of privacy or whether you say, no, you know what, I'll go find work someplace else. That's up to you. But to make it legal, make it illegal to do it against your will, I'm all for that. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, John will be in the studio with us. I am looking forward to that because he's always a fun guy to have on the air, and he's got plenty of good things to say. We'll be right back after this. For 17 years, I've been taking my cars to Irwin's Automotion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra, eight bays and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money and headaches, but fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell them Council sent you. That'll make them smile. We go. John, we go. John was just telling me, you know, if you turn that dial over there, you can fade the music. See, this is why I like having him around. John Council, how are you? I haven't been on air. Let me figure it out now. I haven't been on air in six months, except for that one emergency night when we had a technical issue. Yeah. And you left, and I came down here just to see, you know, whether this was working or not. And I actually got a call from Newfoundland, and I got a call from... I like got issues. I know who called you from Newfoundland. Yeah. How am I doing? I'm, I'm, I'm. You know what, Nick? I'm, I'm a radically different person than I was 
when I was on the air, particularly when I had my own show uh, and, and uh, doing my own show. But uh, I'm coming back on Sunday night, February 26th, and uh, doing a Strictly Ask the Pastor show. And uh, I don't know what it's going to be like, but it's going to be different. It's going to be very, very different than it was. I think it's going to be different than people expect as well. I hope it's good. Uh, I think it's going to be good. Um, different in what way? Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you a few things that have happened since I've, I've been off the air. Um, the news environment has gotten so toxic, and I have stopped reading newspapers. I don't listen to news. I, you could almost say that I'm almost disconnected, but I've be, I've I've developed such a such a, a a a disgust for mainstream media that um, I'm almost afraid to comment on political issues because I don't find the discussion to be helpful at all. Everybody that loves Trudeau hates Donald Trump. Everybody that hates Donald Trump loves, you know, and vice versa. (laughs) And uh, uh, I don't think it's constructive at all. Um, I have had a profound disconnect. But in that profound disconnect, what I have reconnected with and what I have become, I would say, 10 times more passionate about is my belief that the only hope for Canada is Jesus Christ, okay? Now, that sounds preachy. Uh, that sounds religious. I apologize. Let me put it in vernacular that maybe people of little faith would get. The only hope for Canada is Jesus freaking Christ, okay? <laughs> and, and, I, and I think until people's hearts are changed... <laughs> Until people have the reality of what it means to have the risen Savior in their life, you can vote conservative, you can vote liberal, you can vote Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, NDP. It means jack squat because I see corruption in the conservative side. I see corruption in the, the, the liberal side. I see corruption everywhere, and I think it's because men are basically corrupt, and outside of a outside of a transforming experience through Christ, there's no hope. So I think I'm going to be a lot less, how do I say this? I'm going to be a lot less, a lot less Jerry Falwell, a lot less Tony Campolo, and a lot more Billy Graham. Because there's one thing about Billy Graham, uh, you know, when he was younger, he, you know, he and his son Franklin is following in his footsteps. Franklin Graham is very much like Billy was in the 50s and 60s, making some pretty bold political proclamations. But as Billy Graham got older, I think he realized, you know what, the political position means jack squat. It really does. I mean, I've got moral convictions. They're almost identical to yours. But my salvation is not in the state. My salvation is not in man's ability to make it right. And, and I don't think there's any hope outside. I don't think there's any hope for Canada or the United States outside of a spiritual revolution. And, and uh, um, I like that aspect of Christ. I like that aspect of the gospel. He was a revolutionary. He upset the authorities. The religious people couldn't stand him. And um, I see that in the Gospels, and uh, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm pretty excited about coming back on the air with that kind of focus. That doesn't mean I'm going to be deaf, dumb, and blind to political issues, 
But uh, I, I feel like I've got a, a much more fresh take to go at that stuff with. And well, if anybody wants to call in and wants me to get more specific, 343-743-90 is uh, the local number, 343-743-90, and 844-562-4766 if you're listening in California or somewhere else, you know. Even on the wobbly island of Guam. 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 <laughs> you know, when I make that reference, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, the wobbly island of Guam. Well, I know that Heather's uncle was uh, a huge entrepreneur in opening up Guam for tourism and building hotels and everything. No, and uh, their biggest... Uh, their biggest problem in Guam was the was the was the brown pit viper that literally took over the ecosystem and destroyed all the beautiful flora and fauna within about ten years. That would do it. Yeah. No, the reason I make that reference is because there's under the category of the world's stupidest politicians, there's a YouTube video of a Democratic sen- uh, congressman from Georgia. I forget exactly what his his area of constituency was. It really doesn't matter. But he's sitting in front of the Senate Arms Committee, uh, subcommittee on, on – um, he's got an admiral, the admiral of the American Navy sitting in front of him, probably one of the most well-educated, highly informed men on the planet. I mean, he, he was wearing enough brass he could have sunk a battleship. And the, the, he starts asking about the size of the island because they want to put another 90,000 Marines on there, mm-hmm. okay, which is a big influx of people mm-hmm. because not only them but their families mm-hmm. too. Uh, that probably included the families. But anyway, and he wanted to know, 27 miles long, uh, 9 miles wide, is that what you say? And the guy says, yeah, okay, sounds about right. I can get you that information if you want. Uh, almost asking, like, what's your point? And after about a minute and a half of torture, of trying to get this guy to make a point, he said, what my concern is, is the island might uh, roll over. And he took his hand and he flipped that upside down as if mimicking the island rolling over because there are too many people mm-hmm. on it. I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. When, when did that happen? It didn't. Islands are glued to the bottom. No, I know, no, but when, oh. when, when, when did this? When, when did this? <laughs> when did this dialogue take place between these it's two? It's on guys? YouTube. It's a, it's a year or two old now. But oh, oh, and then he came out later and Guam's tried. Biggest problem is the brown pit viper. Yeah, it's it not. Has it's been, not has that the island's 15. going to roll over. No, no, but the brown pit viper has just destroyed it. It was native. It, like and we've got, you know, invasive species that have taken over in Canada as well. Like yeah, well, you know, Guam's the, the, only twenty-seven miles. Long, I know. About, all, about all, nine miles. All, all it takes is one species of, of snake, and it ruins the whole tourism industry. Yeah, unbelievable. Well, thank God for the Marines there. There'd be nothing there. Yeah, well, and that's what keeping the place alive. It's not always a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Depends why they're there. Anyway, the the. So let me let me ask you because, uh, from my context, because you you're right, you and I from a from a uh, convictions and a life worldview point of view, we are very similar. You come from the Protestant camp, I from the Catholic camp, but we uh, we both we're both live, from the Jesus camp. Fair enough. We both have the Judeo Christian <laughs> ethic as our foundation. Okay. Oh, I have more than an ethic. If it was all it was was an ethic, I would have packed it in long ago because I'm not very ethical. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I'm having fun. I know you are, and I'm letting you have it, too. Anyway, the point is that personally, I think that while I agree with you, that one of the things that has to happen to facilitate, to give people the sense of courage, that the, the ability to stand up and actually begin to demand these kinds of changes... What you looking at? Keep talking. Oh, keep talking. It's on. Don't worry about it. Anyway. Oh, the technical side. Yeah. yeah. But the point is that I see my job Mm -hmm. as what I do as preparing the groundwork for people to step up onto, to have the courage to start demanding better of the people that they elect. Nick the Baptist, preparing the way. 
Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I, was at, I was in a Baptist church on Saturday. But there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with proclaiming, you know, like uh, uh, the British are coming, the British are coming. There's nothing wrong with warning people. If you see something happening and and making and informing people, that's great. Um, I just find that uh, the, the and I'm not including you in this uh, number, and I think you feel the same way. I think, in my opinion, again, I reserve the right to be wrong. Somebody wants to call in and argue, that's fine. The majority of the people that are doing the informing are whacked okay they have got such vested interest that there's no objectivity anymore well there's plenty of people you can make that case about i agree with you here's something i want to get in i don't know if i have hbo canada because i got a cable package i don't even know what's on it but (laughs) but uh uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, or whatever his name yes, is, okay, yes. the guy who's gay yes. and he's ultra conservative, uh-huh. and the, the, I mean, the mainstream media doesn't know what to do with this guy because he <laughs> he ticks off everybody, okay? Right. He's going to be on Bill Maher's show Friday night. Oh, okay? God. Friday night with Bill Maher. Now I got to watch these two go at it. And Bill Maher, God bless him, he says I'm having this guy on because he's. He, he is a promoter of free speech. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with anything he says, but the people that are shutting him down, I'm really ticked off at because it's ridiculous. And, and, and I like that. I really, really like that because I'll go back to the whole thing, guys, uh, the Trump thing. Trump getting elected the campaign, that all happened while I was off the air, and I'm kind of glad too, okay? I have never been a Trump fan. I think he's an ignoramus. I think he's an egomaniac. I, I didn't have anything, anything to Are do with him. Are you talking about Trump or Obama? Trump. I didn't want anything to do with the guy, okay? <laughs> but in my opinion, it was like, okay, you got uh, uh, the Antichrist. Uh, Trump is running for president, but the devil herself is his candidate, is, is, the, is, is the opposition. So what do you do? And, and um, um, I have become almost a closet Trump fan. Since he got elected, because I see the vicious attacks against this man. And I note, I'm making note of the people who are attacking him. And I, a lot of these people that are attacking him. I've watched their lives for decades. These people are some of the biggest promoters Im- of immorality. These people are some of the biggest promoters of censorship, you know, and, and, and you know, shutting, you know, proclaiming that they're all about tolerance. Unless you would disagree with them, then they want to shut you down and make sure that you can never speak again. Michael Moore, okay, who got f- claimed to fame, you know, Roger and Me, which I own a copy. I thought it was one of the funniest movies ever Canadian because back, back when he started, it was, it was, it was really good but this guy has turned into one of the most egotistical hypocritical pompous jackasses that I've ever seen in my life, okay? I, I cannot believe the hypocrisy of this man. Here is a multi-millionaire, okay, who's made millions off his money and and you know, people that are working class you know, he's trying to win them over. I mean, are these people disconnected from reality so much that, you know, they can't see how stupid they are? I mean, like Donald Trump, and whether you would agree with him or not, the guy saved 1.5 million jobs from leaving the United States in between the time he was elected until the time he took office. I mean, I mean, the blue-collar guys in, in the States now, he has taken their support right away from the left. And it is going to be so fun. It is going to be so fun how he, you know, they had their little powwow in Washington with him and Trudeau a couple days ago. It's going to be so fun to see, um, you know, how our two economies compete, okay? You got a guy 
who is saving jobs, who has got the workforce of America behind him like no Republican has ever had behind him. And then you got a guy in Canada who says, well, yeah, the economy is going to take care of itself. Well, it certainly is, you know. And you know who's going to take care of it? It's going to be the guy who's running the country south of the border. And uh, uh, but then again, I, you know, I don't have faith in Trump either. I just I just don't appreciate the hatred and vitriol. And what's gone on in Berkeley, California is insane. I mean, Berkeley, California, the University of Berkeley, California used to be the paragon of free speech, the yep. paragon of subversiveness, the paragon of free thought and free speech. It is turned into a Nancy, a Nazi youth camp. I mean, if you don't toe the party line in Berkeley, you're going to get the crap beat out of you. All literally, in the name, literally. all in the name of their whacked out, perverted version of tolerance. You okay. got to be kidding me. Let me hold you there because uh, there's more I want to get into. Can't with believe you. it. Listen to me talking political, and I just said, you know, I didn't care about it, and I don't. I, see, I just, I I, see I, I'm so cynical towards it that it, it gets my blood boiling. So I, I'm choosing not to go there. You know? I, see, I seem to have that effect on people. All right, we'll be back with more with John right after this. Timo's 2000 Mobile Auto Cleaning comes right to your driveway and makes your vehicle look brand new again. Classic cars, bikes, boats, RVs, dump trucks, hot rods, tractors, transport trucks. We can even make your minivan look like the day you drove it off the lot. Did you spill too much coffee on your seat? Did Junior decide he couldn't wait till he got home? And yuck, maybe you're just long overdue for that meticulous cleaning. Maybe you want to sell the old beast. Smartest thing you can do is make it look brand new again. Timo's 2000, 613-327-8498, 613-327-8498, or go to timos2000.com. So, so name that band there. You know uh, that band? I have no idea. Okay, never mind. I won't torment you. Not my kind. Of, you know what? I love the bumper music, but uh, I know the song's called Been Caught Stealing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, never mind. That's because it's right here on the Jane's screen. Addiction. Doesn't oh, matter. Okay. Now, if I were to start playing music, you want to? Yeah, you, we made. were talking during the break. You want to restore people's faith in media? Well, here's man, what, you here's... got more faith than I do. <laughs> well, wow. I think that in a, in a well-ordered um, Western society, there is a role. For a healthy media. That's great, but it's not a well-ordered society. No, that's right. Because, it's and crumbling. You know who's, it's, I, it's, I, it's slipping into anarchy. You, I'm not arguing with that. But the reason it is is because too many people, just like us, and I'm including myself in this, 
have allowed it to happen while we sit quietly thinking it's not my circus, not my monkeys, when in fact it most certainly is. Because why did Dalton McGinty not get fired the first time around after he knowingly lied to us? Why did we accept it? I don't know. But we should have fired him the first time when he said well, our culture is taxes our culture. Uh, what is happening in Ontario is there's so many people that uh, the, the majority of people in Ontario work off, uh, uh, you know, are, are paid by taxes. Okay. Well, I wouldn't say the majority. Education, but a lot of them. health, cops, uh, service industries, um, government itself. I mean, the number of the number of uh, government workers in Ontario who are paid by taxpayers' funds is increasing all the time, and it's gotten to the point where uh, you know they're their own like uh, they're their own kingdom. I mean, they have driven out real business out of out of uh, Ontario like well, crazy. You know, I mean, everything real jobs, real jobs are not government jobs. When you hear uh, you know the province talk about, oh, we're going to create all these jobs. No, government jobs that doesn't count. Okay, real jobs are when you attract business in. Well, when, when Honda, when Suzuki, when General Motors, when Toyota decides to build plants, those are real jobs. Right, okay, because they create wealth, not drain it from the public. Yeah, person. and and, and, our, and our hydro and our waste of uh, you know. Uh, our waste of uh, our, uh, the way we've handled energy alone is 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 been a, a job killer in in in, in okay Ontario. so all that given I get that like the only way you can create wealth is providing a product or service at a price that the customer can you and the customer can agree with and the difference between profit and wholesale is where the whole economy comes from and by providing public service jobs that draw away from that and I'm not not, not knocking public servants we need them uh, to a certain certain degree i think we could probably cut the public service in half oh yeah and go to the private sector and monitor it and police it well just as well we could we could save ourselves a, a bundle but you were talking about restoring faith in media okay, so let me get to that I, I, until we until we get rid of the cbc and the crtc that's not going to happen in canada all right but see look a year ago no one would have predicted what happened with donald trump Actually, maybe they would Ann have. And Coulter did. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? She, she is smiling pretty widely now. She, but yeah, she sure certainly nailed it. I remember I watched that clip where they asked yep, her who yep, yep. was going to win. She said it, uh, Trump, and they all laughed. They're not laughing now. <clears throat> but They're throwing firebombs now. Yeah, no kidding. Went from laughing to crying in a heartbeat. Anyway, the point is that within our culture, uh, there is uh, a necessity for having uh, a media that is not afraid, does, has no respect for political stripe, whether they're blue, red, green, whatever the flag is at the top of the uh, flagpole, whoever is the one uh, you know, in office at the time, they have to be willing to go after them hard, like they, like they should have done with Obama, like they're doing with Trump. Just hang on, let me finish. So the point is that we don't have that right now. People are jaded. Anthony Fury's column in the Sunday in the sun I thought was bang on. People are fed up with the elites. And I that hope creates. He's right. oh, I know he is. I don't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that, he's right. I'm convinced that 100%. In the States, he's right. But, yeah, no, but I'm not convinced that I, in Canada. If, if anybody thinks that the tidal wave of, of national, they call it populism, which is a derogatory term. I call it nationalism, being proud of the country you're from. If they think that that wave is going to stop at the 48th parallel, have I got news for you? I think Anthony Fury is overestimating the stupidity of the Canadian voter. Yes, I really but you do. don't you don't have to be all that bright to get frustrated. Well, as long as you've got people still taking the CBC seriously, we're not going to have any change in Canada here. Uh, okay, you and I are going to disagree on that because I think it's going to catch everybody by surprise, just like it did in the States. Well, you have no idea how I wish you were right.
Well, let's let's hope that you're just, I am. You're just more optimistic than me. Well, fair enough. I, I I try to be an optimistic, positive guy. There's <laughs> days it's really hard. I will admit, but the point is that that when you have a media that's that dysfunctional, it creates a vacuum. Nature does not like God does not like vacuums. So there's a place for people who have integrity, who are willing to go after these. As much you may hate him, but Ezra Levant is filling a need. Oh, I love Ezra Levant. Okay, I'm just saying in general. Okay, but he's people, not running for office. No, he's not. That's not his role. Patrick Brown is the Conservative Party Don't leader of Ontario. Don't get me Ontario. started about him. You know, and look at look at the slate of guys that and women they've got. You know, uh, up for uh, the leadership of the federal Conservative Party. Well, I had one on tonight. I thought we, I, th- I think is worthwhile, but uh, like I don't like O'Leary. I think he's a liberal in a blue suit, and he said as much. Right himself. now, I'm liking Maxime Bernier. I'd take Bernier any day over over O'Leary. I really, really would. So would I. Yeah. Anyway, but O'Leary's the, a Trump wannabe without the brains and the and the you know the accomplishments. He's a liberal. Just because you balance so checks Trump. doesn't. So's Trump, Nick. Trump, do you know? I what mean, Nick. Before okay, he let me before he got, started running for the presidency, nobody would have picked him as a Republican. There's no way. Fair okay? enough. But when he took office, one of the first things he did, okay, and this is a fact. This is not me just blowing the Trump horn. Okay. Yeah, I knew you were going to do that. Um, <laughs> he signed an executive order that. You, have you ever heard of the Mexican protocol? The Me- Mexico City Protocol. No. Okay. What that is. That's a protocol that was brought in by, I believe it was Ronald Reagan, and killed by Bill Clinton, brought back by Bush, and then killed by Obama. Okay? It's like a ping-pong ball. But what it says is no funds for you if you support, and he's talking about NGOs and things like that, if you support uh, Planned Parenthood or abortion referral services. Yeah, okay, services. okay. Okay? One of the very first things I knew he the did. agreement was there. I didn't know it was called the Mexico City That's one because I called. mean, here in the, here in Canada, I mean that agreement, uh, you know, covers country in Afri- countries in Africa and all around the world as well. That's right. Although we're dumping all kinds of money to apply. It. I mean, Harper cut it off, and now Trudeau's bought it, brought it back in again in Canada as well. So for me, that's one of the very first acid tests: is the person pro-life? How do you how can you be more pro-life than that? Cut off the funds of the people who are providing the services that killed. You know, provide abortion services, mm-hmm. if I can use that phrase. So that was when I saw that, I said, OK, this guy, I might not like everything he does. No one is ever going to fill that bill other than Christ himself. But since he's not running for office, he's not on the ballot. You know, we got to settle for, for, for mere mortals. Um, you have people like him doing these things. And it's part of that that is causing the resistance toward that's a big reason why people are so the left is so oh, they angry. hate the guy. Hate the guy. And for reasons like that. Mm-hmm. So that's why when you look at the media and you say when you've got guys like Ezra Levant and his crew over at Rebel, when you've got people like Chris Sims and Brian Lilly and people like that mm-hmm. who are beginning to, to gel and form a new media that people can count on as reliable, you're going to see the CBC numbers fall because sooner or later they have to admit – that the CBC numbers, sold. though, have been falling for 10 years, okay? And, and, and uh, I mean, Harper was getting away with it, okay? He was d- deducting their budget, and there was public support for that, okay? Mm-hmm. There was nobody complaining about that. Trudeau comes back and restores everything that was ever taken away, okay? And uh, uh, until the pl- plug is pulled on that, you don't have competitive media in Canada, and you don't have really uh, an objective voice, because uh, CBC is nothing but the cheerleaders for you know the the, the what I like to call liberal fascism now. So you're, you're, and you, you notice I'm not arguing with you on that score. I I think that because when Brad was on with me earlier to 
tonight. One of the things he talked about was his private member's bill about selling off the CBC. Let it sink or swim on its own was basically what he said. Sell it off, privatize it, and if it can survive in the, in the free market arena, which I think it probably could. I think that uh, in it the could right survive. Hands, it would not dominate like it does. But I it don't could want serve. anyone I would, media. I, I mean, it it doesn't even. We do not. It needs to be public media like the PBS is in the states. Okay, if NPR. you want, if you want public media, you can fund it yourself. But I shouldn't have to pay for absolute garbage that I disagree with, and I absolutely and I reserve the right right to be wrong on political stuff. But I, I mean, that's not the Canada that I want to promote. That's got nothing to do with my Canada. And how come I have to pay for it when you know they're they're pushing and promoting stuff that I'm totally against? Because it is, it is so political that the reason is, and Ben Shapiro, I'll give him the credit for saying this, because the people who are doing this are socialists who believe that I'm breathing, therefore you have to give me stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In a nutshell, that's socialism. I'm aware of that. Yeah. And with that, we'll take a break because I, I, I'm not done with John yet. I think as You mean as I got to stay for another segment? You don't have to. February 26, kids. You. Late Night Council starts up <laughs> Sunday night, February 26, every Sunday night from 9 to 11, starting one night a week. And it may only stay one night a week. We'll see. You know, with Nick working in the same studio here, why do I have to be on every night? I don't have to be on every night if Nick's on here. I mean, he's, he's covering all the political blazes, and, I'm, and I'll cover the important stuff. <laughs> all right. Well, it is to be determined yet whether he'll be back after the break. But stick around anyway because there's still plenty more to talk about. We'll be right back after this on the Nick at Night Show. We often hear about the supposed dangers of human-induced climate change, but what about the disastrous consequences of climate policy? For example, the closing of Ontario's coal stations was the single most important cause of the 318% rise in power rates since 2002. Thousands of industrial wind turbines are being erected across the province, killing birds and bats and ruining the lives of people living nearby. The expanded use of biofuels has led to 6.5% of the world's grain going to fuel instead of food. Only 6% of the $1 billion spent every day on climate finance goes to helping people today. The rest is dedicated to trying to stop climate change that may someday happen. Yet the reports of the non-governmental International Panel on Climate Change show that the science backing the climate scare is highly uncertain. Isn't it time we focused on problems we know to be real? This message is brought to you by ClimateScienceInternational.org.
It's a big, big city and it's always the same Can never be too pretty Tell me your name, is it out of line? If I was to be bold and say, would you be mine? Because I may be a beggar and I'm going to pull that too. You know who you know what band that is? Uh, you know when the Chicago Blackhawks and the night and the Ottawa 67 score a goal, they play that doing da 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 da. That's the Fratellis. It's the is same band. Same band. They're from I think they're from England and and oh good well, band. Well, the British oh, accent they, could they are give good it away. band. They're See, a really good band. When I look at good bands from England, I think Queen. Oh come on. <laughs> oh God. Oh, are Queen. you kidding me? Oh, Freddie Mercury oh, and Brian May. Please. Come on. Best vocalist in the on the planet, the best guitar player too. Sorry. Yeah, I know. I'll I'll accept your apology. There's I can name twenty bands I'd rather go see than Queen. Oh God. Now, yes. No, I mean back in my, back in our day. Yeah. You know. I they were so diverse in the in, in what they did. I mean, on one hand you have Hammer to Fall, the next hand you, you, they're playing Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy. Leonard Skinner. <sighs> like across the street. Queen couldn't tie Led Zeppelin's t- t- shoelaces. Oh, man. give it a Sorry. rest. Sorry. Give it There's no rest. other band in the history of rock and roll where people actually paid a hundred thousand dollars per ticket for their last concert. Okay, Remember nobody. When you talked the about Beatles or the Rolling Stones stupid? could never could never even get that far. Oh, I didn't. I'm not saying it's intelligent. I'm not. I'm just saying. And there were 20 million requests for those 16,000 tickets at the O2 Auditorium. 20 million worldwide. I wouldn't cross the street to see either band. Well, you know what? You won't have to. You're right. Anyway. But you can go see Queen. They got Adam Lambert as their new uh, lead singer now. No. There you go. Not interested. After Freddie passed, that was the end of it for me. I like that. I, I like their old stuff. Is that really, you really like Queen? Absolutely. Are you wow. kidding me? They're one of the most talented bands. What's your favorite stage? Queen tune? I would have to say one of them is, is Year of 30, 39 um, with the 12-string guitar. What's the song called? 30, 39. Oh, come on. It's a, it's a, I don't know that tune at all. What would be my favorite Queen tune? My favorite Queen tune. Oh, my favorite Queen tune by far away, but by far and away, it's on Day at the Races, Tie Your Mother Down. That's not the one I thought you were going to pick. Tie Your Mother Down is like that. In fact, that's one of my all time favorite tunes. Don't Stop Me Now is a great tune. Um, uh, Keep Yourself Alive. I don't mind that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, Although, and they're they're classic, of course, is Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, that's that's too that's too much of a novelty tune for me. It's a rock opera. Yeah, it would be whatever. You know, that's what it is. Yeah, fine, whatever. I, I, and you then they, of course they've got good old fashioned lover boy. They've get got your timing to, right. Get your pants on tight. That's the, the heart beating, baby. Yeah, the Hammer to Fall is a great tune. Anyway, I, how do we get onto this? Joe, you, show, said you see, there's no program director telling us what we have to do here, okay? <laughs> I, I now, admit. Now, that's not always a good thing, okay? Because when I first got out of CFRA and started doing it online, I was so thankful to be free from oppression that I, I, I will admit in front of, you know, like with all these people listening here, that uh, I got stupid. I really did. I got reckless and restless, and, and, and I think I learned a good lesson. I don't want to go down that road because, uh, uh, you know, it's not bad to have some restraints on you, you know, because the— um, Well, we're not completely free of restraints here. Well— Common you know, sense and logic and As far as content is concerned, you can talk about it whatever you want. You know? yeah, that's true. I did talk about microchipping tonight. Microchipping? Yeah. What's microchipping? You know, they, um, they, they put a little chip under your skin. and. Well, they haven't done that to me. No. My dog's got me, one. But it, it is an issue that's coming up more and more. My dog's got yes, one. Yes, I don't have a problem with dogs, but don't, don't come near me with I one. Can, I can, yeah, well, you see that coming, you know? Yeah, and there's, like I was saying during the A lot of science fiction movies you see that. 
Yeah, what's and the one books that, that have it too? Oh, what's that? Oh, there's one movie I, I remember seeing where you know they had to, like all of the data is in your in your hand, and they had to tap in and, uh, and cut the thing out, you know, to to, to hack it, and oh, it was gross. I can't handle gore in movies. It's a, well, yeah, I guess that means you're not a horror movie fan. Oh, I'm no, not either. No, I never understood. No, no, what no. Is it? You know, I watched the movie Passengers last night. I hear that's really lousy. It's, it got bad reviews. No, I enjoyed it. It's just that it's not an action movie. It's not the kind of movie that you, you well, would think I don't think care. Of. I like good sci-fi. It was, it was. You know what I've watched in the last five days? In the last week since I talked to you last, I've watched the entire, I've watched all ten episodes of Westworld. Okay, which is on HBO. You were telling me about that. Yeah, it's it, it, it's really graphic. Like the I can't handle the gore. Okay, like it's See, just that doesn't bother me. Oh yeah, it really does. And there's a lot of nudity and sex. Yeah, in I it, know. You know. Why and, do you and, do and that? It's, I have no idea. And and and, and my, but I'm watching it with my wife and my daughter. My adult daughter's 31. My wife's you know, so I don't feel like it, it's not it's not it's like it's not like my 12 year old. It's not like it. voyeuristic, and I don't mean to you know to justify, but. Um, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but I will say this. It is brilliant science fiction. It is hardcore real science fiction. Because real science fiction tells you what would the impact of this type of technology have on our lives and on our priorities and what we think is right and what we think is wrong. And if you judge science fiction with that criteria, this is some of the most brilliant science fiction I've ever, I've ever seen. I could not. It was so compelling to watch that uh, uh, that's another reason why um like I love superhero movies too. Oh yeah. And one of my favorite superhero movies and you know people you know the Christians that are listening they're going to hear this thing oh I can't believe it this guy actually watches this stuff cuz this is just really like bad stuff. And yeah it is. It it you know a good story will show you the darkness of the soul. But one of my favorite superhero movies of all time is a is a movie called Watchmen. And it turns the whole genre on its ear because you know, superhero movies are so unbelievably they're so they're so I mean come Over on you got to be kidding yeah. what the the, the, the incredible uh, 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 thing about Watchmen was and it was written 25 years ago it's the most realistic handling of the genre ever do you realize what people would be like if they had these type of powers anybody that would take to fighting crime as a vigilante because you know his parents got killed like Batman for instance right they'd be a psychopath they'd be nuts and and the writer of Watchmen portrays these so-called heroes and vigilantes these people are seriously messed up seriously messed up and and uh, it is it is a brilliant honest uh, a portrayal of that whole genre, well, and, me, and, and it's disturbing, well, really let me, disturbing. Let me give you my favorite superheroes movie, come from a completely different perspective. First of all, it's animated. Okay, The Incredibles. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. Oh and yeah, it, but for completely different. Oh reasons. yeah, yeah. That's I, I'm the best totally there. I family know. movies. Funny. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. God. And the yeah, best I, line in it. I would have no problem. You know what? My, the, my favorite line in that movie is. What? When 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 Dash the little kid, uh-huh. you know he's in the limo uh-huh. and he throws himself. He's oh, I love our family. That's the same yeah, line I, know, I, I know. was gonna Maybe say. Maybe we've had this conversation. We and, could you know, be. And we're both, we're, both we're, we're both in our late fifties and we're losing and we can't remember anything <laughs> anymore. You know. Oh no, but you know it's funny when you talk about movies because there's uh, two series that I'm, one I'm watching now, one I just finished. Uh, the one I just finished, I liked, and even my wife liked, which I was surprised. It's called The Last Ship. The Last Ship. Well, it's another one of your military movies. Yeah, it is, absolutely. But I like it because of my naval naval connections, right? And you're almost wetting yourself, waiting for Dunkirk to come out the next month or so. God, I can't wait. I'm going to be, you know, you'll see this guy sitting outside Did you see Passchendaele? It was such a waste of film. Well, I didn't. I didn't. Okay, there's 10 minutes in it worth watching. 
the final fight scene, and even at the end, he no, got to cut not, it off. I'm not going to. I'm not going to yeah. watch it. They, that because that that was well. February twenty sixth, folks. Late night council back on the air. Nine o'clock Sunday night, February twenty sixth. <laughs> Ask the pastor format only. Chances are we won't be talking about movies you don't care about, or bands you don't care about, or politicians you don't care, care about. about. Only stuff that matters, like whether you're going to heaven or hell or not. That's important stuff. Ultimately, that's all that matters. Is true. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's right. But I'm this... glad you're still there. <laughs> Sorry. Well, okay, uh, no, but the, the the reason I like the last ship is because first of all, you want to go back to that? I do. You? I am not done plugging that show. I'm sorry. Uh, is because the ship handling in it is so bang on. It's yeah, nine... but I would never know that. I wouldn't I know. know a ship that's had like, like Gilligan's Island was a good ship, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know what I mean, no, 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 no. But when you watch it, it it has an air of authenticity. Uh, to if it. I watch it, yeah, okay, fair enough. And the story's great. The other one I'm watching now is called uh, Homeland. Homeland. Yeah, my wife liked that. Well, yes. Yeah, I, I. you know what? I'd be in the kitchen fixing a snack while she would be watching it with my oldest daughter, with, with my daughter that lives at home. And, and it, it, I don't know, too much profanity, too much skullduggery, too yeah, much, you well, know, betrayal. Yeah, well, it's CIA, cloak and dagger, that kind uh, of stuff. Yeah. And But I, I just, I got into it. I tried to watch it about a year ago and couldn't get into it. And then I watched two, three episodes. Yeah, it just didn't grab me. This time, this I is Hollywood Minute with Nick right. Vandergrat and John Council. All right, let, let's... right on top of the latest TV shows and movies. Why don't you call in and tell us what your favorite movie is? <laughs> Actually, okay, let's switch gears. Let's go to what's your favorite car. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Mm. I'm kidding. Well, we can talk about is uh... my Toyota Yaris. I got a totally grand Toyota. I bought a brand new. It's got three hundred fifty-nine thousand k on it. Uh, that's almost supercar. Man. That's almost as many miles as my uh, 03, uh, my 06 Honda Accord had. Okay. Honda or Toyota, that's the only uh, way to go. That's right. Anyway, uh, what I did want to talk and yes, about. Yes, Honda and Toyota dealerships, you can advertise on Nick's show or my show. <laughs> Any car dealership can advertise <laughs> yeah, on my sure. show. I'm not fussy. I am a equal opportunity sponsoree. <laughs> Does that did that make sense? Equal I'm just thinking sponsoree. if there's a car company I would not want advertising on my show. I don't I'm think thinking. So. There's not. There's no more Lada networks in. in nah, I think in, Hugo kind of went the way of the Dota Bird. Hugo never caught on in the, in the country. In the country, but Lada did. There were there were some Lada dealerships for a while. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Hugo. And what was there? Another one. What's I the worst car you ever owned? Oh God! The worst a, car you ever owned? A Pontiac Forenza. Really? Piece of junk. Ford Taurus, '89. Well, those are the domestic. Oh. In, in the '80s, the domestics were junk. I yeah. when I got out of the Navy in 1989, the first six months I worked at a car dealership. So all the mid-'80s cars are coming in on trade. And I worked at the Halifax Nissan. And almost without fail, the Japanese cars were way ahead. We always gave more for trades. They were in better shape. Just across the board. I remember a guy pulling in with an 84 Sable, and he had on a mini a donut. Now, this isn't so much the car. wouldn't have been fault. an 84 Sable. The Sables didn't come out until, like, uh, like 87 or 86. Maybe it looked like an 84. Yeah, well, 86 they came the out. Because remember, remember when they first came out, they were so revolutionary looking. They thought it looked so cool and everything. The yeah, Mercury Sables and the Four Tauruses. Yeah, but they looked cool. Yeah, so did the, Fer- so did the Fiero. Yeah, it did. Yeah, I remember those rolling off the back of trucks. Fiat, the, 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 the Pontiac Fiero, Fiat X19, and the Toyota MR2. You couldn't hardly tell those three cars apart. But one of them would last you for fit, for 20 years. And the other one, one of them would last you for three years, and the other would, you know, you'd junk you it after well push, three months, you know, which say, was the Fiero, yeah. And they, they, they were all plastic. And the only car, it, like Ford and, and the, G, the North Americans, what they would do is put out a, a box for a car, and then over the next 10 years, they'd slowly upgrade it until by the time they quit making them, you had a decent car. 
the 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 Chevy. No, the the Chrysler. Uh, the K GTO. No, 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 not the K car. The K car was always a box. Uh, but the the GTO. Um, the Pontiac GTO. GLH. Sorry. The yeah, the, GTO. the, well, the Omni. The Omni GLH, made by Chrysler, uh, was they called Omni it, and Horizon. Yeah, well, switch name. That was the Plymouth. That was like uh, Mercury and uh, Mustang, or Capri and Mustang. Uh, it's just going down the assembly line. Every other car got a different nameplate because mm-hmm. they were identical. But that GLH it was called a GLH because they put a turbo on it, and the GLH stood for goes like hell, and it did. It was 140 horsepower out of four cylinders. With a that turbo. was a limited edition, though. It I think was. they only made 500 of those. Well, well, that was the point. They waited till the 10th year to make them. I only heard about that car, that, that hyped-up Plymouth Horizon. I only heard about that about a year ago because my son-in-law is the service manager for a major dealership in town here. He says, did you ever hear about this? I said, you got to be kidding me. They made a hot rod of that. He says, I'm not kidding you. So I went up looking on Wikipedia. It was a more than 140 horsepower. It was like 240 horsepower. Okay, that could, that's this, thing could, this thing could whip a Corvette, and it was a Plymouth freaking Horizon. I you know. know? I mean, how crazy is that? But, I mean, it'd be worth having just to, you know, to, to, to blow people away in that but, thing. So the worst car was Pontiac Forenza. I remember, I'll tell you one quick story about it. Uh, back in the in the mid '80s, my wife and I were in we were then in the Amway business. It's an Oldsmobile Forenza. The Pontiac equivalent was the was the uh, the J2000. Okay? okay, all right. It, Oldsmobile Memory made the Forenza. Yeah, the same body foggy. style though. Yeah, yeah. and w- I bought the car uh, in the summertime, and so it's it's now Sunbird Pontiac Sunbird was the uh, Pontiac equivalent of the uh, Oldsmobile Forenza. Okay, and I'm driving. Uh, drove it all summer, and. Uh, we had to go and show the plan up in Cape Breton, up in uh, North Sydney. And it's November, I think. November, December, in the wintertime anyway. What year are you talking here? We're talking, that would be 86 or 87. And what year was the car? Probably in 83 or 4. Oh, it's only 4 or 5 years old. Piece of junk. Okay. Anyway, we're go- we-, we go there. The heater doesn't work. I never thought to check the heater because it was the summertime. The heater core was gone. So in the winter, we would travel... And you had to get into the car. You had to open the passenger door, crawl in over the stick shift uh, to get into the driver's seat because the driver's door wouldn't open. Oh, man. Okay? The hip in the, in the driver's seat was busted, so I had a milk crate stuffed behind the seat on the floor between the bench in the back and the back of the front seat. Well, it's the middle of the night oh on the open God. road, and the then heater don't blanket. work, and it's so, so cold. <laughs> we had a blanket pulled up to our chins and up over the steering you and, wheel. You and Allison? Yeah, Allison and I. We were going up. Any up, kids yet? Um, we had Peter, Kate, Laura, uh, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. No, no, there were, I think there was only three at that time. Uh, the rest came later. So you had three kids in a freezing cold car. Well, they weren't coming with us. They stayed at home. Oh, man. Uh, we were just going up on a business trip, okay? So we go up over Kelly's Mountain. We go to North City. We do the, the plan. It's coming back. It's probably 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. We get to, up towards Kelly's Mountain, and it starts to snow. And I mean snow. And there's no heater in that car. And there's no heater. So there's no defroster. i got to scrape the windshield with my credit oh, card. Oh, jeez. Right? So I can see where I'm going. We stop at the Telegraph Hotel. And we stay in the room right next to the one that Alexander Bell invented the telephone in. Or that's why it's called the Telegraph Hotel. Okay. So anyway, um, we get up the next morning, drive down the hill, down the mountain. Ten minutes. Not only are the roads clear, there's no snow. It had dumped right on top of the mountain. If we'd have kept going for another 10 minutes, we'd have been home that night. Home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. And so, anyway, it finally died so you don't for lack of ge- oil on the side of a road. You don't know your geography, and you paid for it that night. I knew the geography. I just was hoping the car would. <laughs> anyway, long story short, we had more adventures. I once drove a Pontiac Turismo, um, or Chrysler Turismo, Plymouth, 
sorry, Plymouth Turismo, across Halifax to Dartmouth with no clutch in a five-speed. That was fun. The cable broke. The clutch cable broke. And then the, the shift linkage broke too later. So I stuffed some bubble gum in the, in the socket, pressed it back down on the, on the little ball, and that held for 18 months and drove it that way. I could sit here all night and tell you stupid stories. No, you can't because you're going off air at 11. <laughs> all right. So what I really was trying to get to was when uh, in the near future, uh, we're going to be revitalizing the way that we do things, a new web page, things like that. Yes. Okay. So when people come back, as much as we all love the 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 moder the, the current website, latenightcouncil.com is going to have its own, uh, you know, and eventually, you know, you're going to have your own domain as well. But uh, it's it, we I haven't touched it for six months, but I've got a number of tech people that are raring to go. Oh, good thing you reminded me. The podcast of this show, yes, and for the next two shows, will not go up on the website for a little while because the guy that does it got married yesterday and he's on his honeymoon. Okay, <laughs> okay, well, he's on his honeymoon, and I got nobody to do that right now. So if you're listening live, spread the word that the podcasts <laughs> are not going up for a little. They are going up, but they won't going up. They won't be going up until uh, my buddy Johnny gets back from his uh, his honeymoon. Well, I'm glad you did. The guy that. was married on Valentine's Day. How smart is that? Eh? Talk about ki killing two birds with one stone. I now mean, he never has to worry about forgetting it. Perfect. It's perfect. Now I was like, I thought he was nuts. Are you getting married on a Tuesday? You're crazy, it's John. It's Valentine's Day. Come on, think about it. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, it would be really good if his wife's birthday was on the Valentine's I don't Day. Know, I don't know when MJ's birthday is. Because that, that would have been not only brilliant, but funny. Congratulations, Johnny and Marie José. That's right. I hope you enjoy you know your honeymoon. I married them over in Gatineau, yeah. but I'm not licensed in Quebec, okay? So, no, the reception was at a restaurant in Canada, and that's where we signed all the papers. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, man, you got to love... Night works. Yes. Hey, listen, nothing, nothing illegal about that. Well, first, why is the government in, in the marriage business in the, in the first place? But that's a... We can do that another show. I was going to say, that's a whole other show. Kind so, of, that, kind of, that kind of goes over into the Ask the Pastor territory. I could probably handle that on a Sunday night. Okay, I'll leave that Maybe one you could call in and we'll talk. I don't know. Then you get a call at least. Yep. <laughs> so, a new website... Uh, redesigned. We'll Same have, web domain, but it's gonna yeah. there's gonna be radical changes taking place. Radical. So uh, total overhaul. We're gonna put her in the shop, lift the hood, and change the motor, yep. and, and yep. uh, give her and a little I, change. I've got very, I, I've got very, very, very capable people ready to go, and and uh, it's gonna be fun. Well, one of the things I want to do is, um, and I'm kind of letting the cat out of the bag a little bit. You want a camera in here? You want to go live video streaming, don't you? Look at my face. You're such a Hollywood star type guy, aren't you? Do you, you? know why I was in radio? Nick is the years? only guy I know that wears makeup before he goes on the radio, which is just really weird. You well, know? I'm just but, jealous of Milo. Oh, oh I just stop love it, his stop colors. It. You don't um, want to get us in trouble here, man. Come on. <laughs> no, I don't want a video camera. Uh, no, I was talking about doing something. You better something. go to a break. My mobile gallstone is starting to do weird things. You to have me. mobile Yeah, I'll gallstones? tell you about it during the break. You know? Okay, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with the final segment right after this. We won't talk about gallstones.
For 17 years, I've been taking my cars to Irwin's Automotion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra, eight bays and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money and headaches, but fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell them Council sent you. That'll make them smile. starting to get used to this now. I, w- I would really like to apologize to your listeners because you had all sorts of great topics and <laughs> political commentary and I come in here and you know here we are talking about mobile gallstones and beat up cars with no heaters and <laughs> bands we like and I'm sure people are listening going if I ever listen to this these twits again <laughs> anyway oh I think the people out there that are listening are actually enjoying the band never patronize your audience ever Ever. Never take for granted that just because you think something's funny and interesting that they think that way. Okay? You Fair can't enough. do that. That's my lesson for the day. You know who's been one, you know, one of the guys I really admire and, uh, um, and, and, and is Dean Brown. Dean Brown that does the play-by-play for the Ottawa uh-huh, Senators. Yeah. There's so many times when I was at CFRA, because I always hung out with the sports guys, okay? Yeah. And Dean would be in there holding court. And I remember him, you know, lecturing some of the younger guys. I think uh, Kenny Walls was in there. Kenny Walls does, like, he's the backup guy. He does a lot of the 67s games now. And he'd say, what's your job? Your play by is to call the games. He says, no, it isn't. Dean Brown said, you can't, you know, your job is not to call the games. Your job is to entertain people, okay? And he's right. dang right. He's dang right. Yeah, you got to call the game. But, man, there's been nights when I've been listening to him and Gord, and I'm laughing my head off, you know? Yeah. I mean, what do you do when the Sens are leading 6 nothing, and, 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 and they start going into entertainment mode? It's a lot of fun. And, and, and I think, and, and I know Dean takes his job very seriously, he has a profound respect for his audience. You know, this it's it, it, it a radio show is is not your plaything, okay? And if you're not giving good content, if you're not doing your homework, and you're not uh, giving people something that's worthwhile, you shouldn't be on radio. Uh, what a wonderful speech, you know, to give after I've just totally botched up your show in the second hour. <laughs> February 26, folks, late night council. It's not going to happen, okay? It's going to be great, okay? There'll be a lot of good, rich content. It'll be wonderful for you to tune in right here at LateNightCouncil.com. I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to tell you the worst advice I ever got Okay. in all the years I've been in radio. And? The advice was this. You tell me who said it. Okay. Never, ever, ever admit you're wrong on the air. Oh, that's Low Green. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Worst advice I ever got. Now, I yeah. love Low Green. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I think he's a great guy. He's a legend. But when he told me that, my jaw hit the table. Yeah, but that, okay, but that's his shtick. That's not your shtick. That's not my shtick, okay? I, I, the greatest compliment I ever got on radio was uh, 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 the guy who hired me at CFRA. Mark Mayhew used to be the, uh, you know, the, the head top dog there. And he said, Council, here's a just to you and Lowell. Everybody knows Lowell gets callers going. Everybody knows he's an entertainer. Everybody knows he'll say almost anything to get people going. When you talk, people know you really believe it. You're not pulling their chain. You're not just trying to get callers. They know you really believe it. And 
That's not a bad thing. No, that's as a matter not of a fact, bad thing at all. I think it is one of the most important elements of being a talk show host is to be honest and sincere. And that of course, we're so sincere, aren't we? We're so much more brilliant and more, much no, more moral it's, it's than anybody not, else, aren't not, we? Thank, not, are you kidding thank, me? I'm thank, the biggest sinner in the room. Thank God but, for us, eh, yeah, Nick? Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll take. I'll, I'll go with that. No. The point is that if there was, if if I've learned anything, it's to, is you have to speak. You have to. Speak in common tongue so people know what the heck you're talking about. Don't, don't talk like a lawyer. That's a huge mistake. Don't up-talk. That drives people crazy. They hate it because you sound like a teenager who hasn't got a clue. Like? <laughs> Take your, pick your teenager. Like? Yeah. Uh, yeah, throw so that like, in a lot. Like, so like, yeah. Like. Anyway, I could go on for hours on that. Uh, you got to stop saying that. You could go on for hours. I could. You talk to yourself on the way home tonight. I do. Sometimes it's the most interesting conversation I'll have all day. I talk to God. Yeah? Well, he's fed up with listening. Again? Huh? No, he's All not. you ever do is complain. No, he's not. I know. Anyway. February 26th, late night council, folks, 9 o'clock. I will teach you how to talk to God. All right. Listen, uh, John, thanks very much for coming in. It's been a lot of fun. I'm glad you were able to join us. It's been us. a long time. Yeah, it You has. can tell I'm rusty. Yeah. Well, I got to tell in you In fact, this I'm sure there's listeners saying, man, he's really lost it, man. Nah, well, so this is your theme song, huh? I love this piece. So you like putting people to sleep at the end? Oh, no, it's a farewell. See, that's tunes I use on my show. I like to jolt people. You know, like, I mean, it's nighttime. You want them with you. You want to like shock them into reality. Show is you know? over. This is yeah. a way of saying good night. Good night, Nick. You're tucking everybody in. Good night, John. Thank you all, folks. We'll see you all again next week. In the meantime, they are CBS. Good evening. God bless. Don't let anything disturb your peace. And may you have a fair wind and a following sea. So fill to me the parting glass. Good night and joy be to you all. So fill to me the parting glass and drink a health whatever be.